the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. Boy, the Diamondbacks sure did pick a weird time to start winning baseball games. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. That's Derek Montilla and Cody Fincher as well on the Ain't No Fang podcast. Also, we got a no-hitter to talk about this week. I was present for it, and it was incredible. And what did I tell you about them winning games, Steve? I told them not to, and they once again <laughs> did the opposite of what I wanted them to do. I'm very conflicted. Oh. I'm so conflicted. Let's we'll start there. It. No, let's start there. Um... What is it, like five of the last six, I think? It's at least four of their last five. It's won. been a historic week, wins-wise, just as far as some of the wins, how they've occurred, and like you said, the no-hitter that occurred. Uh, there was like a 13-2 to two game in there against yeah. the Padres. They almost swept they, the Padres. They almost they did They kicked the Padres' butts. Yep. Like they, and Colorado has, Except for that too. one game. If, if, you know. if the Padres don't make the playoffs, they'll circle that series with the Diamondbacks and this, be like, this is why we didn't make it. This entire stretch, because they've been kicked around by the Rockies, yep. too. So, yep. it's yeah, it's a bad stretch for them. And to be honest, the game that they got... The, the win that they got was all because of Fernando Tatis Jr. returning to the lineup. He, two home runs, he, four for five. Yeah, he alone won the game. Playing he, right field. Tied a career high in hits. Do you need more evidence that Fernando Tatis is the best player in baseball? No, not at all. I've never like seen overall anything like player. that. overall player. Especially considering just the demeanor of the Padres. And, like, he picked the entire team up, but they still didn't start doing, like, extremely well. He was just, he was that light like, for them. He's you know? legitimately an MVP. Like, he is that team's most valuable player, and it's not even close. Without a doubt. It's not even close. And his arm has become detached from his torso <laughs> twice. Yeah. Well, and he's, he's going to win MVP. Right, he's playing right field because they don't want him diving and stuff at shortstop. The Padres are finally experiencing a lot of those injury blues that the D-backs went through this season. And as much as you can say that the Diamondbacks you know, season was was bad because they're not a good team, you have to look at injuries and how it can completely change the complexion of a team. The Padres were a completely different team without Tatis in the lineup. Look at what the Diamondbacks did to them. Um, like you said, no hitter. Tyler Gilbert, in his first major league career start, goes out there in a game that he was thrown out there, I think, two or three days before by Lavallo saying he was going to start. Goes out and just quietly. It's kind throws. of a spot start, really. It, it, it seemed like it was going to be a uh, you know an opener situation, yeah, yeah. like a bullpen game. He said after the game, the plan was for him to go five or six. Yeah, that he which, was hoping to get five or six. Which that is was any that was his focus. His focus was trust, just trying to go deep in the game. I am so proud of Tori Lavello. To leave Tyler Gilbert in. Yeah. I'll tell I you. was so proud. And I'm like, this, finally! Yes! I'll Don't pay attention. When something special's happening, the pitch count just, it's fine. He's young. He's hes going to be fine. He doesn't throw overly hard. He throws like 88, 89 miles per hour, which made it even more incredible that he's kind of like an old school type of pitcher throwing a no-hitter in today's game. It was kind of cool that way, too. There's two people I think deserve a lot of credit besides Tyler, obviously. He deserves all the credit, but I think there are two people that deserve it. First is Mike Fetters, because Hergis wasn't there due to uh, Merrill Merrill Kelly contracting COVID and him uh, being caught up in the contact tracing for that. So he was not available to be with the team. So her, uh Fetters was the acting pitching coach. He was the acting pitching coach that got Gilbert through this game. After the game, he said that 
that her, that I'm sorry, that Fetters was just joking with him and talking about non baseball stuff. I can only like imagine on the mound? on no, just <laughs> no he, in the he dugout. Was, he in was doing games. the thing you're not supposed to do. It leave the pitcher who's throwing a no hitter alone. He just sat with there. him the whole sat, time. Yeah, he was joking him with the him, whole time. talking about it's great. Just, like they never got to it. It felt like they were always going to start saying what they were talking about, but they just kept it close. To, you know, they kept it in house what they were talking about. I know Fetters is an incredibly funny person. I've seen him joke around with us as the media in the locker room back when we could do that. I've seen him with the guys. You know, to think uh, about the impact he had on Tyler, just keeping him loose, just keeping him. Like he said, he went out there for the ninth and he wasn't even nervous. The, The most incredible thing about that entire outing was that it didn't seem like what you're saying, Bear, based on Lavallo's track record, that he was going to make it to the ninth. His pinch count was high. He was going into the eighth inning out of the seventh, and he somehow miraculously throws a three-pitch eighth inning. That was the only reason that he got to the ninth, and Lavallo let him go out there. But I think the other reason why was because of Fetters. I think Fetters, according to Lavallo, was giving him that information about – this is something special. You only get one first start in your career. And to be able to do something like this in your first career start has only been time done four times historically. And the last time it was done was in 1953. So it is not something that happens every day. And definitely to this team. It's not something, nothing good happens to this team. <laughs> nothing, I mean, we had good stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. Madison we, Bumgarner threw a no-hitter this year. Did he? <laughs> did he? <laughs> he threw, is it, he is threw, it in a record he book? He threw a notable achievement. He threw a game where he did not give up any hits, but it doesn't Isn't count. Isn't it funny that Bull. the Diamondbacks have now had how many no-hitters in their history? Four? Three. If you include Bumgarner? If, if you four, include if you Bumgarner, it's yeah. four. Uh-huh. And two of them happened in the worst, in the worst, se- worst season yep. of their history. What can you say about Randy that? Johnson it's and 04. It's absolutely crazy, the ups and downs of this team. And at the very least, there's only one champion at the end of the season. You can hang your hat all you want on winning a pennant or winning your division or being a wild card or making the playoffs or having a good season. But none of it matters unless you win the World Series. I always found that weird. So last week we talked about baseball movies. I was. I always found it weird growing up that in the movie that the final game is always yes. always the pennant. Yeah, we won the, the pennant. Series. And yeah. as a kid, I'm like, yeah, we won yeah. the World Series. Yeah. It's like and it, my dad would be like, no, 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 they just won the pennant. I'm it's like, yeah. like in Major what? League, you, they win the the, the AL, they go to the World Series, and then they lose the World they Series. They lose, like, according to Major League yeah, Two, you're right? right. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, <laughs> but, why Major League Two is a terrible movie. But, yeah. you're, but you're right, too, Derek. And, and speaking of baseball movies, I was watching Moneyball today, and that just reminded me of the quote, unless you win the last game, if you lose the last game of the season, nobody gives a bleep. Yeah. Is what... Brad Pitt's that's Billy word Bean for says. word what he said, and I think that's the, really well, I can't what it, say word for word. Steve. Yeah, he says bleep. This isn't the, this that uh, kind of podcast. It's such a weird movie with all the bleeping. Um, <laughs> no, there. The other person I think that deserves a lot of credit is Dalton Varsho. Right, he has had a lot of struggles behind the plate. He hasn't been great as a catcher, but he was pretty great in this game. He was calling this game for Gilbert. I mean, you, sometimes you have to tip your cap to the to the catcher as well because they're such a big part of it. You know, you you. you can only imagine what he was going through in this experience because it's as new to him as it is to Tyler. They're both out there very inexperienced and they're just going through this incredible start against a really good offensive team even without Fernando Tatis in the lineup and somehow made this magic happen. Can we just talk about how every single, if you include Madison Bumgarner's, every single no-hitter in D-backs history has been really strange. 
Randy Johnson's perfect game, he was 40 years old with a group of young kids in the worst season that the Diamondbacks have had so far. Edwin Jackson walked six guys and threw like 170 <laughs> pitches. That's right. Madison Bumgarner was in a seven-inning game. Yeah. And then Tyler Gilbert is in his, his first, first major league start. Career start. Yeah. Like, what the heck is up with that? That's true. I never, th- I, that just hit me just now. It's like, all so wild. It's all been so well, weird. And that's the thing is that the Diamondbacks have weird history like that. They, we, we don't get to have since Randy Johnson that dominant, you know, performance, but at, at times you got to say at least Bumgarner looks like his old self a bit here in the second half, especially in his last six or seven starts. There's a lot of encouraging things to look at right now with this team. I, I I still don't think of them as being you know a, a contender next year by adding a couple of pieces. I don't think they're that close. You know, I I unfortunately like we've talked about so many times on this podcast, don't think Madison Bumgarner's timeline matches up with this team being successful. At the very least, though, you know what you can get is guys like Tyler Gilbert and you know like Zach Gallen being around him. And, and gaining whatever they can from being around somebody that has the experience that he does. Obviously, he's done things to adapt to his change in velocity, to the lack of success he was having earlier in the season, and he's he's been doing great lately. The other name that you mentioned about the no-hitter is Dalton Varsho. I wonder, how does a, catching a no-hitter impact him going forward? Because... I'd be really interested to ask him, what is the end goal for him? Does he want to be an everyday catcher? Does he want to be part-time backup catcher, part-time outfielder like he kind of is now? Uh, does he want to be a starting outfielder? Like, w- What is his goal, and how does catching a no-hitter, and which is a big accomplishment for a catcher, by the way, how does that impact his desires going forward? I used to be a catcher in Little League. and I Oh, so you know all about this. I know this. all about this. I can answer all <laughs> these questions for you. No, I know that for me personally – the more I played catcher, the easier it was just because it's never it's never easy watching a ball get thrown at you. You know what I mean? Like it's something you have to get used to. I think all of the moving around probably is partially to blame, not to not to make excuses, but for some of the defensive gaffes that he's had behind the plate and stuff, because he, he doesn't play catcher very much. And uh now with him being the second backup catcher, I think he's gonna be reserved more for that backup role specifically when Carson Kelly is starting because you never know when you're going to need him. And I think we're going to see less of him in other positions. I I think he's a good catcher. That's where he's played the majority of his time as a minor leaguer, and that's where he found success. I think it really comes down to uh, the team needing him to do other stuff and and him being versatile. You know, Lavala once again needed to call on guys that he wouldn't have called on this year, and I think he's had to ask guys to play positions that he wouldn't necessarily want them to play at but they can play and he more wants them to be in the lineup you know as much as possible to fill to fill the lineup he he has had times where he has literally needed to do whatever he can to put a full nine-man team together out there on on the field so i i definitely don't foresee varsho playing other positions as much as he's going to play catcher in the future and his his bats really coming around in the last month he's hitting 339 yeah uh, he, that's and he's and he has an OPS of one point one one three. That's really good. That's it yeah. is good. Um, so I mean, I don't. I I think he's. I think I agree with Derek. He's probably going to be a catcher 
Um, I don't think they would unless he just turns into this stellar outfielder. But Correct. I mean, I, and he's not horrible in the outfield. I think he's actually pretty good. He's, no, that's why he's, he's been used. There. He's yeah. very athletic. He's fast. He's got a really good arm. And as a catcher should, he has a really good arm. So but I think his future is probably still behind the plate. But honestly, like I could see it going either way a little bit. I can see him filling in in the corner outfield spots if they need him to like he has been this year. So I wouldn't completely just say, okay, you're now only a catcher because and and they're not going to do that anyway, because this team and if if Tori Lovello and his staff are still around next year, that's not what they do. They don't relegate guys to just one position. They like the versatility. So right. And, And he's the kind of guy that can come in late to pinch hit and then go yeah. into, into yep. the outfield if Defensive, needed yep, whatever exactly lavala will never play a catcher every day he'll he never will so it's not even carson like kelly's be- about as close as we're gonna get right? correct yeah, yeah. But to an everyday catcher I, I think that trying to fit in as a third catcher on this team was impossible you know especially with steven vote and what he was able to bring third you know catcher. well you know yeah, we've uh, always uh, kind of it's always been like our nemesis <laughs> the third catcher it concept. worked that one year um let's talk about Did the it? In 2017, <laughs> let's talk about when the Jeff race. Mathis only played on days where Granky was <laughs> pitching. Yes. Yeah, that did work. The race for last place. Uh, let's be clear about this. It's a race now, by the way. Nobody in the organization, <laughs> player, executive, coach, nobody is trying to lose baseball games. Never. However, sure. this is around the time of year where you realize what kind of baseball team you are. Really, the trade deadline is where you make those decisions, and the Diamondbacks made the decision to trade away their only all-star. So they pretty much made the decision we're not competitive. But I will say this. While they've been in the driver's seat for the first pick in the next draft for quite some time, they're quickly losing ground uh, to the Baltimore Orioles. Where do the Orioles currently stand in the... well? Standings. They, they <laughs> well, see that's what why they're called standings. Interesting. Yeah, uh, well, the Diamondbacks have lost the ground technically. All of it. Um, they're technically tri- uh, tied with the Orioles now in record because the Orioles are thirty-eight and thir- and eighty, and the Diamondbacks are thirty-nine and eighty-one. So they've played two less games. Yes, and but if the season ended today. The Baltimore, the Baltimore Orioles would have the number one pick in the draft because they have a three point three two two winning percentage, and the Diamondbacks have a three two five winning percentage. That doesn't seem fair. They just had the number one pick like two years. Also, ago. this why the Orioles are all of a sudden the worst team in baseball is because they've gone on their second thirteen game losing streak of the season. They they have currently lost thirteen in a row. What's interesting is they are the fifth best team, <laughs> aka last place team. In a division with four good teams. Yeah. And the Diamondbacks are the last place team in a division with three, three really good teams. Good teams yeah. And then One the subpar, right. little below average team. So it does make sense that the Orioles would be the team, even if the Diamondbacks are worse. You can make that argument as a team. If they, One for one, if the Diamondbacks are worse, still because of the way the divisions work out, the Orioles play four really awesome teams in their division all the time. A lot. Yeah, and I mean, it's not a surprise because, again, this Diamondbacks team wasn't as bad as their record was between May and June. It, it's just the truth, you know? What it, what it really was is <laughs> that they were having relievers start games left and right, and they were having you know minor league guys that weren't even far enough along in their development to be con- actually be considered to be called up, being called up. Geraldo Perdomo played in April. Yeah. And yeah. we haven't seen him since. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, there's there have been a lot of occasions where I've seen that this team really didn't want to do some of the things that they did, and they've used you know they they've set a record for franchise number of pitchers they've used this year for for a season, and we still have a month and a half. All sorts of numbers <laughs> when it comes to that kind of stuff. Forty as far as call-ups. three games, I believe. No left. We have no September call-ups yet. Not yet. I right. mean, we've had call-ups, call-ups. Well, but. every person you're going to pretty much see in September, I think you've already seen. You think with so? The, There's I mean, nobody. With the D-backs. With the D-backs, I think so. Uh, I'll throw out a name. Okay, go ahead. Seth Beer. Okay, yeah. Could, I could... we see Seth Beer well, in September? Is, but is, I don't know this off the top of my head, and I apologize for asking a question you might not know the answer to. Is Seth Beer on the 40-man roster? But then again, I don't know they'd that. have to DFA somebody, but then again... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what's the I mean, sorry, <laughs> sorry. They've but, been they've been doing that all season yeah, long, right? Yeah, but but uh, it's just like I don't, I don't want to be because I've been critical of this thinking, so I don't want to be this way. But the whole notion of well, they would have been competitive if they if everyone had been healthy, blah blah blah, to no. be an excuse to not try to improve this team and just bring this team back. And oh expect yeah, no, to be good. No. I'm not saying you're doing that but, at all. Okay, Derek, but, but what I will say is this: we said there the things that we have said, we have predicted correctly. We're really bad at predicting stuff. <laughs> when we say a player's bad, he turns out to be good the very Except following for Jake day. Jake Lamb, Steve. we were always right about Jake. We were right around, yeah. But we we're we're just we we're always made to look like we're wrong. But if you go back and listen to our podcasts, we said at the beginning of the season that they were waving the white flag before the season began. They did not you do you do not stay competitive with what the Padres did and what the Dodgers are by acquiring Joaquin Soria, Tyler Clippard, and as Drubal Cabrera. Those weren't the guys that were gonna get you over the hump to be a, a winning team. It just wasn't that. What it was was fiscally conservative moves during a season of uncertainty to bring in and fill in for Young guys that you knew were going to get a lot of playing time. You wanted them to be around veterans that have had a lot of success in their career and could pass that knowledge on to younger players. That is exactly why they targeted who they targeted as free agents. They didn't target free agents that were big names that could change the the complexion of this team, and they're probably not going to do that during this offseason. It probably is going to be another year next year of them trying to make it work with this team, quote-unquote, but really not expecting a whole lot. It comes down to, are they going to move on from Tory? Yeah. Is is Tory yeah. going to be given another opportunity? I think there's no chance of that now. I don't really think so, but at the same time, too, I'm still inclined to agree with Mike Farron when he was on the show and said that he thinks that this has actually been Tory's best job of managing, considering what they've done. You know, again, going back to my analogy of of that eight box of eight crayons that they gave Tory and asked him to do a mural. <laughs> Tori's like, I'm doing it, but it's going to take some time. Like, you're not getting the. You mural. only gave me red. You're not. You're not. <laughs> I only this, have red crayons. You're not getting this done by, you by want, November. You want okay? a rainbow? I have red. Yeah. Should you we? Me, you gave me everything but the base color. You want me to do a Thanksgiving turkey? This isn't getting done by November. I'm telling you that right and, now. And this is where I'm conflicted because I agree. I think this team. Just going back to the Orioles D backs comparison, I think when healthy, the D backs are a better team than the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, the Orioles might have younger, better, younger players than the D backs do right now. That's to be seen, I guess. Cedric Mullins is really good. John Means is really good. Ryan Mountcastle, I think, is going to be good. But here's where I'm conflicted. I want the number one pick in the draft. And, and what, what I want it. What I think of, too, is that happens sometimes to teams. 
they're not even that bad, but they had a catastrophic injury to a star player or somebody really good, or in this case, multiple players. And um, it re- multiple times during the year. Right, and it <laughs> drugged the team down, right? Like I think of when the San Antonio Spurs got Tim Duncan. They weren't bad enough to get number one pick, but they lost uh, David Robinson due to injury, and I think Sean... Uh, what Sean went to U of A. I'm blanking. Anyway, regardless, Sean they, Elliott. Sean Elliott. Yeah, they. Go. I think they lost both of them the season that they got. Um, that they got Tim Duncan. I just remember they were just bad for one season. That's all they needed. <laughs> Didn't to the be. Warriors just get the number one pick like a couple of years ago? And they right. have Steph Curry, right? And yeah. Clay Thompson. That's what I'm but saying. But they right. lost Clay Thompson. But so. no, right. what, what you I was suck for one year and you get a great yeah. pick. Exactly. And, yeah. Well, yeah. the Warriors yeah. weren't exactly a, a a powerhouse. You know what I mean? Well, but, they had a dynasty going, and then they all got hurt at the same time. And Kevin oh, Durant yeah, yeah, leaves yeah, exactly. town, and all of a sudden you have the number one pick. And then you're and when you everyone comes back, you're like, it's going to be a really okay. We're going to be dangerous again, right? And I, I'm not saying the Diamondbacks are going to be that because base, the baseball draft isn't exactly like that. But I would like them to at least do one thing right, and that is lose properly and get the number one. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to lose, if we're going to make this season bad, can we at least make it that bad? Apparently, though, Mike Hazen does not agree with me on that. And Mike Hazen does not want the number one draft pick, fellas. What do you guys think of that? far as the long term if your question was more about do i want to finish with the first pick no i don't frankly um i i, I do not uh I, that is not something that you know wearing that around your neck for the for the entirety of the off season i think we've proven in the draft that we can find good players at six we've proven in the draft that we can find good players at 15 um and frankly we've proven that we can find good players in the 30s so yes i understand what the first overall pick can mean in certain cases um but that's not that's not something that I would like to have happen. No. Okay, that was my case on the Doug and Wolf show this morning, by the way. So what I get out of that is, and just first impression, is that he does not want to be associated with having the worst record in baseball. Who does? And nobody does. Obviously, it's embarrassing. Um, but I would rather have the number one pick so I literally can choose whoever I want without having to worry about any other team maybe taking a guy ahead of me. I mean, you would only have to worry about one player, but there's this kid that's going to be in this draft, Elijah Green, that everyone seems to be saying is the next Mike Trout type of player. And I mean, to be fair, Mike Trout was not drafted number one overall. He was drafted in the 20s. He was actually drafted back-to-back. Angels had back-to-back picks, and he was their second of their two picks. Anyway, um, by the way, the D-backs drafted A.J. Pollock instead of Mike Trout in that draft. So Way to bring that up. Um, no, that pains me to this day, and I have to share my pain with you people. That is a memory so painful that I put it out of my mind, Bear. I feel like you just died a little. I don't understand why he ju- why did he just do that? I don't know. That was weird. That I'm was did you guys weird. feel the energy just disappear? Negative person. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. Well, let me pick but, up on but that. But that's point. just what I think. I'd rather have the number one pick just and it doesn't have to be to draft Elijah Green, even though I think they should. If they figure that they really like somebody else at for their team, blah, 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 blah. But they would have the opportunity to no one can usurp them for the guy that they want. Let's say this Elijah Green kid turns out to be awesome just like he's supposed to, right? Let's use the 2003 NBA draft as, as an example. We all knew LeBron was going to work out. You would rather... Right. You, you could have gotten a great player at 2, 3, 4, 
Five. They did. <laughs> they all got good players except for Darko. But, <laughs> you know, like, you know you're going to get a good player at one of those spots. But wouldn't you rather have the pick of the litter so that right, you that's know, what I'm saying. If you know First that in this line. kid is... And, and I totally agree with Hazen. They proved this year they could get... I think they got the best player in this draft at number six. And the baseball draft is weird. It is. The best player doesn't always go highest. And also... That's why that's why Hazen is saying that. Like and I almost get it. almost percentage wise, the best player doesn't go. And also, they could draft somebody number one in, who's a high schooler, and he could choose to go to college. He says the same thing. Hazen says the same thing um, that he did here about the number one pick that they've said about other things. Like you just don't want like having a minor league system. We don't he want to have the top. He doesn't minor want league a system. top. 10 minor league system. He uh, wants to be able to trade job, guys and get major league talent. The I, job isn't to win the double-A championship. The job is to win a World Series, and you use the minor leagues to help you get there. The best GMs do that. The Dave Dombrowski's, the Theo Epstein's have done that. I don't think that necessarily it's the bet worst record thing as much as it's the pressure of the number one pick as well. The baseball draft is weird. It does not translate over the same way other sports do. Right. You don't have that same natural success. You know, it's more of a what, which ones didn't work out percentage wise for like NBA draft picks and N- NFL ones. It's it's pretty much a lock most of the time outside of the one offs and, and those weird, you know, situations where someone really just went off the rails after they became a professional athlete. Right. Um, but when you look at the last 10 number one draft picks, you have Garrett Cole, you have Carlos Correa, you have Mike Apple. Brady Aiken, Dansby Swanson, uh, Mickey Moynihan, Dansby, Royce Lewis, uh, Casey Mize, and Adley Rushman, uh, and Spe- Spencer Torkelson from Suns Forks Sun- Up, Forks Up from ASU. What's What's weird is a lot of those names are very very good players. It's just not it, it would be debatable to say. They're some of the best players in the league, but there's well, a lot of all stars amongst those names. Right? Appel, I don't even think Appel made it to the majors, and if right. he did, he I didn't think stick. He was injury. Played. Brady Aiken didn't even get signed because yep. he had an injury. He yep. got uh, Appel got shipped off to Philadelphia. Yeah, I remember that. And then he retired. For Ken Giles for Ken and Giles and, the, got, and retired. Aiken got hurt, and the Astros didn't sign him, so they got the pick the next year that they used on Alex Bregman. So. Uh, yeah, Hazen's right it's about this. It's not guaranteed. Hazen's right, but at the same time, when you're losing to the degree that the Diamondbacks have been losing, which is historic in their organization's history, yeah. you'd like to be compensated for that. And and I, yeah. and, and I think I think there are a lot of fans like me who just want the number one draft pick for the reasons I said, and it would be total Arizona sports luck where the Diamondbacks have been by far and away record-wise the worst team all year. And then in the last month and a half of the season, they're going to start winning games, yeah. and they're going to have the number two pick in the draft list. I would just rather have, like you said, I'd I'd rather be the first one in line at the buffet than than sixth in line, and maybe my favorite dish is gone. Let me say this: I'm going to give you a reason why not to. Uh, once again, as we described, the Diamondbacks aren't probably going to make a big splash in free agency this off season. This probably team, not. As you see it, is probably going to be. What we see next year outside of maybe a couple of guys even leaving due to free agency, right? I think they will try to bring in talented players. I think they will continue to try to make this a competitive team. 
I just don't think it's really going to get there. So the only way that they can really start getting there is by starting as soon as possible. You know, this winning needs to become part of their culture now and not one of those things where they're actively not trying and then try to re-engage the engine next year when they're when, you know, next year comes around. I don't think that's necessarily what Lavallo's looking to do. And I don't know if Lavallo is going to be a part of this team next season. I just think that as an organization, they're kind of right. You don't really want to actively try to tank now when the season. You already tanked earlier. You did the tanking. You can you just play baseball. I mean, they're they're probably going to end up with a winning record in the second half. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> about that at all. Uh, and they're probably not even going to get the second draft pick. They'll uh, probably get surpassed by the uh, Pirates and uh, get like the third. Uh, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised about that. Why are you guys so negative today? I'm not. It's I'm cloudy the and rain. raining. I don't know. Am I being negative? I'm trying to be positive. I'm saying <laughs> they're going to win a lot and they're going to start getting the winning for next season. Started we don't now. want that, Derek. I know. Nobody Your positivity wants that. is negatively impacting. Me. I know. I just think that they don't really never. They never tried to lose, right? So no, they're not. It's it's kind of like this stuff. Uh, the the no hitter. It's a special feeling. It's something that, you know, you you didn't think you'd feel this kind of joy about a baseball game when the season was going the way it did. I think that they have, you know, it sparked this team. The the things that have happened, Dalton Varsho's walk-off home run, I think uh, just a lot of things that have happened recently have been very positive for this team, and it that's what gets the winning going. So that's why I say I'm not I'm not going to be surprised to see him continue to have success in the second half, especially with other teams trying so hard to win and get in playoff positions and the Diamondbacks being in complete no pressure mode for the for the rest of the year. Let's talk about a crazy evolving situation that we've talked about. Remember we talked I think it was back in March during spring training we found out that D-backs prospect, one of the better ones, Christian Robinson, outfielder, big arm, athletic guy, he had trouble getting back into the country after an incident where he was wandering around on the freeway, and then he got into an altercation with a police officer that ended up with him punching the cop in the face, which is never good. And he was having trouble getting back into the country. He's from the Bahamas, was struggling to get that visa, for obvious reasons, And now the latest update that I read from Zach Buchanan um, this week is that Christian Robinson has been sentenced to 18 months probation for assaulting a police officer and having a mental breakdown. He He doesn't get punished for having a mental breakdown, but he was having a mental breakdown back in April of last year. And uh, now the question is, how do you get a visa to work off your probation and vice versa? How do you... It's it's a it's an endless cycle. How does he get back into the country, and how does he figure this all out? In order for him to make the conviction go from a felony to a misdemeanor, he has to complete the probation, but he cannot complete the probation unless he's here. Unless he's here. So since he's a citizen of the Bahamas, this conviction keeps him from having his visa renewed to come back. Chicken or the egg to fulfill his probation. Yeah. So uh, I hate to be that guy, but I, I might just throw this out there. Christian Robinson might not be a Diamondbacks prospect for a while. My question is, what happens if it sticks as a felony? Do then they extradite him to serve prison time? He so would have to bring, serve it here. So they'd bring him back to the United States? I'll bet they would just tell him he can't come back to the country. Right. And that is more likely. That's this really is, this unfortunate is from- because his girlfriend and his child 
live here in Arizona. This right. is from yesterday, a tweet from Zach Buchanan in, a th- in the thread when he was breaking the story. He says, however, given that Robinson is a citizen of the Bahamas, the conviction imperils his playing career. He must return to the Bahamas soon to renew his visa. But because he has a felony conviction now, yeah. he's unlikely to be issued another visa to return to the U.S. So, right. So how does, yeah, like how do you... You can't serve your probation if you're not here. Right. And yet you can't come back to the country because you have a conviction so he, that you're trying to so serve. So he may never be able to be to be able to play major league baseball. He may not again. be allowed to come back to America. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know how the Which legal system crazy. works out here and he certainly will get his day in court and all that stuff. I mean, he was just given his sentence, so I guess he already had his day in court, but yeah. you know, like I can't foresee a clear scenario here. I I don't know how this ends, but one of their better prospects, and this is about way more than baseball. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot more going on here. First of all, his mental health. Second of all, the assault of a police officer. I'm shocked that a felony resulted in 18 months of probation and zero jail time. Well, first of all, I think that it is the the mental health aspect of it, probably. I mean, sometimes that is part of the sentencing part of the consideration for sure. one sentencing, right? And it should be. Well, and another thing that maybe should be taken into consideration is that um, his visa expires soon. But at this point, if you calculate the time from when the incident occurred, it's about 18 months, right? So April time served? If, but he wasn't I mean, on probation all this time, was he? I mean, if has he had any other incidents in that time frame or anything like that? You and know what I he mean? appears to not have a prior history. Granted, he probably wasn't even in the country all that long before this happened. Right. Meanwhile, so, when I even say that, it sounds like I'm just asking to wipe the whole record, the whole slate clean because time has been served and he hasn't done anything over the last 18 months. I don't know. It just seems like a very catch-22 situation that can't really be solved. It is. And unfortunately, I think bureaucracy is really going to tie this up. I I, I one time tried to, I one time oh, tried to refinance my house and I couldn't because apparently the mortgage company that held my note put my home address in incorrectly a clerical error a clerical error and they told me it was going to take 60 to 80 days to fix all they messed up was they made my street avenue instead of drive that's all that needed to be corrected (laughs) but it needed to be corrected that's a big deal though and it needed to be corrected two months or more months and that was the crazy part about it was (laughs) i lost my mind over that two months because i couldn't believe it actually took two months i mean it put my whole mortgage refinance up up you know i had to basically start the process over again And it really, really was awful. awful. You know, it's so stupid sometimes how bureaucracy can just make things so much more difficult than they need be when it can easily be rectified by somebody with common sense looking at the situation and making a decision that seems fair. If you're deeming that the guy can serve probation, then you either need to make the call that he can serve the probation in the Bahamas so he can get it over with. I don't know how which that works. It doesn't, but I, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Can he serve it in another territory like Puerto Rico or something that is a commonwealth of the United States, but not necessarily a state? I, I don't it's know. still not his home country. Right. I don't. Yeah. I'm not. I, I don't know how this would work. I'm just saying, like, there's got to be some sort of resolution if you're saying that there is his ability to, you know, basically serve probation and have this turned into a misdemeanor. It's just a really bad situation all around, and hopefully it does get rectified. Yeah, I, I'm just, with you, though, Steve. There's a good chance we don't ever see him in a D-backed uniform. And 
first and foremost, hopefully Christian Robinson gets the help mentally that he needs. And But, yeah, just in terms of the Diamondbacks organization and all this, Christian Robinson is their number two prospect. Um, it's not been a good year for the top two prospects in their organization. Corbin Carroll's number one, and he got hurt this year on a home run swing. He had a season-ending shoulder injury where he got hurt hitting a home run. Um, sounds like a Tatis injury. Right. That sounds like, that <laughs> and, sounds like a diamond. And now injury. Christian Robinson is dealing with this whole thing where he might not even be allowed back in the United States to play baseball again. Or to be with his family. Or, or to be with his family, uh, yeah, his, his girlfriend and his child. Some good news, though, on that front. Alec Thomas is rising the ranks Yeah, um, in, in D-backs minor leagues. He's now in AAA, or he started the year, I think, in single A. Um, so he's playing well. But you were hoping that Carroll, Robinson, and Thomas were going to be your your all three, your outfielders at some point. Yeah, your so, future, your future your um, outfield. That seems to be on hold, obviously, with Carroll's injury and now Robinson's legal situation. But I'll even throw in, we talked a little bit earlier about Seth Beer. Yeah. Who's been dominating in the minors as well. I'm going to just stick him in the outfield. Well, <laughs> the issue, I I, I playfully Hopefully tweeted about this the other day. first base okay. Right. I, I tweeted with uh, with Jesse Friedman the other day about this, and I basically said, like, okay, great. We're going to add another first baseman to this team. And he joked, like, it's just him and Christian Walker. And I was like, yeah, but Pavin Smith's the first baseman playing right field. Yeah. Like, but he's been, he's been much better in right field than he has been. Uh, in center field, but we sure. but yeah. we talked last week. We would rather have Pavin Smith at first base long term than in the outfield. Yeah, I don't think he's a bad right fielder. He's just not a particularly great one. But you add Seth Beer, and I am not comfortable with Seth Beer playing outfield. I'm very comfortable with him playing first base, and the dude is mashing right now in the minors. Yeah, you, you want to hear Alec Thomas's numbers, by the way? Yes. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, Seth Beer. Seth Beer's numbers. Seth, yeah, please do. Uh, all all this season, Give AAA, em. 295 batting average. Ooh, yes. I'll take it. 404 um, on-base percentage. Phenomenal. And a 531 slugging. Phenomenal. Last year in, uh, <laughs> last year in uh, single A, he had a 602 slugging percentage. Oh, man. Yeah. He's had he was big, in single he, A last year? Yeah, he was, or single A plus, so okay. Fayetteville. So he's risen pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, but he's been up and down. He was as if, high as double A uh, last year, too. If, so if, he played for Jackson and Corpus Christi. And he's in Reno right now, right? He's in, he's Reno, in Reno right Reno. now. Yep. I if, mean, that's pretty Seth, close. If Seth Beer works out in the major leagues for the D-backs, the Zach Granke trade is a huge success to me. Josh, Josh Rojas was the throw-in, and he's the best. He's been the best player is of it, all of them. Josh still, Rojas has been incredible lately. By the way, yeah, he, he's, yeah. he's he has great. been hitting like out of his mind. Corbin as, Martin and JB Bukaskis. If neither of them work out, you're still okay with it as long if, as Seth Beer if does. Seth Beer works out, then I would like Corbin Martin to work out. But I mean, I don't think he's gotten a real fair shake yet in the major leagues with the Diamondbacks, just as of yet. The Rojas throw-in has been the greatest addition to a trade I think I've ever seen. It all starts to make sense. Remember we read that article about how about how uh, they Mike weren't going to do the trade without him, right? Mike Hazen said we're not going to trade Granky. Like we'll, we're willing to hold on to his two hundred and six million dollar contract. Unless you give us Josh Rojas, and we're all like, who the hell is Josh Rojas? That's the same thing the Astros owner said. <laughs> the, Astros, the Astros didn't even know what they had, and Mike Hazen knew what they had. It's one of the more brilliant things I've ever seen from Hazen. Yes. it's Well, it's one of the more, like, definitely had that view, because when you look at all of the guys in the trade, you know, Rojas is the one right now that's contributing just on a huge level. Uh, 10 for 17 in the four-game series against the Padres. Wow. 
batting 489 with eight doubles, a triple, a homer, six RBI, and 10 walks in his past 13 games. Those are video game numbers. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, so And I'm not saying he's like, you know, the greatest player ever. He's not the Michael Jordan of of baseball. No, but he's slowly really come on and he's Hell, Michael becoming, Jordan wasn't the Michael Jordan of baseball. It's just the it's it's the little gamer moments he's had this year antagonizing yeah. opposing pitchers and starting things <laughs> even when they're up by 9 runs. There's just moments like that that make you feel like this guy the, winning is the most important thing to this guy. You know, and and that's we need something the Diamondbacks need, right? It's something Lavolo has talked about with the young players not really grabbing that brass ring that the Diamondbacks are dangling in front of the entire minor league system at this point. Let me ask you something I was thinking about earlier when we were talking about the Orioles uh, competing for the number one pick. Which organization do you think is in a better position right now, the D-backs or the Orioles, for the future? I think the Orioles are, Why? because the Orioles are being more realistic with themselves about where they're at they aren't they're rebuilding they're starting over you know they're they're going youthful and they're trying to basically do what other teams have done with the true tanking you two, know the true two separate rebuild. 13 game losing streaks will help right yeah, true but i i'm just saying th- i'm just saying overall that team is more focused on the future i think than the d-backs are the d-backs have this delusion that they are going to be competitive at any moment, mm-hmm. you know that's not what reality it's is. Not true, <laughs> right? And the and the Orioles have a guy like Cedric Mullins, who's already pretty much becoming a star in the league already, and they have a really good front of the line pitcher in John Means, who actually threw a no hitter this year as well. Would you rather, Derek? Would you rather have Cedric Mullins and John Means, or Zach Gallen and Cattell Marte moving forward? Which Ooh. duo would you rather have? That's a great question. I'll ask both of you that question. Either one of you can answer. I honestly, I I'd honestly take Zach Gallen, Cattell Marte. Why? I, I think that from what I've seen of them, they just have had brighter shining moments where I know the level that they can ascend to, where it's still kind of projections for the for the Orioles players. It's not to say they haven't been really good at times this season. I've just seen how good Marte can be. I've seen how sure. good Gallen can be. Gallen was especially the consistency. That's hard to do. What Gallon did with the number of starts without giving up three mm-hmm. earned or more, that's that's more difficult, I think, than throwing a Wasn't no it like hitter. Wasn't like 20-plus yeah. outings? Yeah. Like 22, 24 Yeah, he set like a major that? league record. You it's know, crazy. It's not something that a lot of pitchers can do. They can have a good night against a bad team and make, you know, make them look good, but to do it consistently over that many starts when you're a young player and you're making your MLB debut, I think that you know, Gallon still – has a bright future ahead of him. He's just been hampered by injuries this season, just like Marte. And they keep putting them out there when they don't need to put either of those guys out there at this point. Both guys can just take the rest of the season off and and rest up, and I don't need them out there possibly injuring themselves again. There's obviously a lot more to the Orioles organization than just those two players. They also have former number 1 overall pick Adley Rutschman in the minors, who's coming up quickly. Um, Ryan Mountcastle is a good prospect. Trey Mancini is one of the best stories in baseball. And didn't they have the number one pick this year too? No, or not this year? year. That was oh. the Pirates. Uh, Henry Davis, Henry catcher Davis. from That's Louisville. Right. That's right. Yeah. Um, you agree? Mullins and Means over, or well, I guess Derek said not over Katamarte um, and Gallon. Which would you rather have? Well, I'd rather have Cedric Mullins than Catal Marte. Really? Going forward? Yes. Okay, why? Cedric Mullins is, I mean, just this year, he's fourth in the in MLB in batting average. Um, he plays a mean center field. He does. Um, I'd rather have him in center field than Catal Marte. I see what you did there, by the way. A mean John Means. 
wasn't meaning to do that. Cedric Mullins, 315 batting average. Yeah, I'll He's take that any day. Tied for fourth in MLB with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Is it fair to say um, that Gallon and Marte have more talent than both Means and Mullins, but that the I other mean, two are I, performing? I like John Means, too. I mean, I think okay. he's a good player, but I mean, John Means is 28. Zach Gallen is 26, so there's two whole years there difference. Okay. Cattell Marte and Cedric Mullins are pretty much the same age. I think Cattell Marte might be 27, Mullins is 26, but I don't know. It's so tough. Um, it's a close one. This is why this is why baseball is such if, a fickle game. In 64 at bats in 2019, his batting average was 094. Who? Cedric Mullins. Yeah. <laughs> he was also a switch hitter. Yeah. And he stopped and doing that. He stopped that. doing that in spring training, and all of a sudden he's an all star. Yep. I don't know what to tell you about 140 that. 140 hits this season. He's insane. That's crazy. He He's leads insane. the league in hits. All right, so you're leaning you're leaning I'm leaning towards John Means and Mullins, I guess. Interesting. I think I would still take the D-backs too out of like sheer potential. I think they're both better long-term than those two for if, the Orioles. If Cattell Marte But is, they're not available. If yeah. <laughs> if Cattell Marte if you're going to tell me like for the next 5 years Cattell Marte is going to be a center fielder then I'd rather have Cedric Mullins than John Means. Okay, that's I kind of think he's right. That's fair. Yeah. I just I don't I, disagree. I will never I will never not dislike Cattell Marte in center field. That was a really weird way to say that. Yeah. I will <laughs> I will always hate Cattell Marte <laughs> playing center field. I was trying to do I, the I math in my head I'm like, I, what? I just never, don't what? I just don't I don't like it. I just I never have and I never will. Well, uh, they might soon come to saying, a decision that it's a bad idea. Not saying that he's a bad center fielder. He's not terrible. I, he did clank a really routine fly ball oh, off of never, his glove. I'll never forget last that. series against the Padres, but it was awful. And, and just with his hamstring problems, he's had. I just don't like him in center field. I All just I'm don't. saying, if Alec Thomas comes up sometime soon, mm. uh, maybe you don't have to play Marte in center field anymore. Just saying. I don't dislike that I could idea. See an in, I could there. see an infield where your everyday infield, at least your everyday middle infielder, is a combination of Josh Rojas and Cattell Marte. Seth I don't know Beard. who plays Seth where. First. And honestly, like going back to that, I, I, I wouldn't hate Paven Smith in right field every day if he just if he's just got to get better i think we talked about this last week he's he's got to get better at being more aggressive in the outfield fielding balls there are balls that he's let drop in where he just probably didn't think i could, he couldn't get to them when he probably right. i mean he could have made a dive for one here and there not saying he's going to get there or not but those and then, those incredible plays yeah. are what cole calhoun does so and then well throwing the to bases too he's he's not as aggressive trying to throw guys out like as like comparing it to Cole Calhoun, a guy's going first to third. Calhoun's going to try and throw you out at third. Pavin Smith might just throw it back into the cutoff man or to second base. What's worse about that is the word is out on Pavin Smith because you can tell they're yep. not even stopping at first. Right, you know like, they're going. There's routine fly balls that for the most part should just be a single the way they go in the right field, and you can just tell that the scouting report on Smith is lackadaisical in the outfield I think because he definitely doesn't have that same fire and doesn't keep guys off you know, making the extra base hit the way that Calhoun does in, in right field. Schedule coming up. Uh, there are two games remaining, if you count today, against Philadelphia. Then the Diamondbacks hit the road for the Rockies, the Pirates, and Philadelphia again. So kind of an interesting schedule. Philadelphia is peaking right now, um, certainly having a pretty good stretch. Uh, Bryce Harper, maybe another MVP season, possibly. We talked about Tatis being the MVP, but Bryce Harper's been pretty darn good, too. Um, then the Rockies, obviously that series doesn't have a lot of ramifications behind it. The Pirates, one of the other worst teams in baseball. 
and then the Phillies again. So it's an interesting road trip. Maybe how, some wins there, though. How does the success impact your wins. MVP vote? How does the success of the team? Yeah. I mean, um, are, are, I, I feel like Otani is a kind of a shoo-in a bit in the American League, but is he because the, the Angels, Angels aren't, aren't good. Doing, any, doing anything? That's the thing. Well, and it's funny that it's the Angels, too, because I feel like for the longest time, the Angels had the lead. Like, everyone knew Trout was the MVP. Yeah. But they weren't going to make the playoffs. Yeah, the and Angels. So the I don't know that team success does matter. For the Angels are one game under five hundred right now in the AL West. Can you believe that they have two of the greatest baseball players in the universe? And they well, just, this year Trout hasn't, really or at least played. on this on this planet, at least I don't know. He, Trout has been injured for most of the year. I but know, but they, still, but they consistently never have pitching. Otani is their best hitter and pitcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, facts. And you could argue he shouldn't even be a pitcher. You could also he's argue. been really good though, uh, this he's, year. He's awesome. down the mound. He's, has, he's, he's a sub. Everything. I think he's got a sub three ERA this I year. I want him to catch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Can he play first base? Can he? Yeah. We have yes, too many of those. Yes, he can. He can can he teach first. Seth Beer how do, to play first? He can do whatever he, he wants to. He can do whatever to. he wants. Um, the Diamondbacks picked a weird time to peak, but you know what? Is there ever a bad time to win baseball games? Yes. Yes, yes, there, yes, is. there are. There is. Right we'll, now. Right we'll now is the bad In time. August when you're the worst team in the league for the whole season. I'm Steve Zinsweiser. It's Derek Montia and Cody Fincher as well. Thanks for checking out the Ain't No Fang podcast. We appreciate it. We're here every week at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.